The Frisco Fighters are back for another electrifying season of indoor football. Don't miss the action-packed, high-scoring intensity that Frisco Fighters indoor football has to offer when they hit the turf in March at Comerica Center in Frisco. From unique theme nights to exciting giveaways, the Frisco Fighters provide entertainment for the whole family. Get your tickets today at FriscoFighters.com. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Kingsville Brewery. Let's join the rush with your hosts, Daryl Razor Ray and Mike Heike. Hello, hello, hello. Home for a minute. Taking time to, as the kids call it, chew it up. Yes, I'm going to be magniloquent here today. At some point, I'll toss around a few words to make myself sound a little more uh, resident and uh, cerebral. All those things. But uh, the other side of uh, the equation, Mike Hike is here to join me today. As much as I, I tried to move past you, Mike, and give you a break, I just keep coming back to you. You're like the mafia. You keep pulling me back in. I saw you chatting with Marty Turco. I figured he must have turned you down. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's too high end. He's been busy, too. He's got a lot going on. Yeah, former star Jason stars. Arnett. Former yeah. star Jason Arnett had a rink named after him nice. up in Ontario. Yeah, we've reached that that portion of everyone's post playing lives where they have stuff named after them and statues and things like that going up. That's a that's a story though for another podcast as we inch closer to immortalizing Madonna. This is more about the. The uh, Super Bowl of podcasts, let's call it. I've heard it referred to as that, Mike. Have you as well? All the time. Yeah, I people can't are tell saying. You how many times people stop me? Mm -hmm. I've heard that, uh, and I got to thinking too. This is Razor's thought bag here. Dynasty coach, quarterback combinations. You know the the whole Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes. Uh, equation coming out of Super Bowl 58. Am I right with that one? You are. Was 50. I'm, I'm a little sketchy with my Roman numerals, but I believe that was 58. But you, you have in football, you know, it's usually the coach quarterback equation, right? Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, Belichick, Brady. Uh, we could probably go through a few more. So it's the coach and an offensive leader, not a defensive leader the team's offensive leader. So if you looked at hockey dynasties, as I bring it back to our sport, see how I did that, Mike? You're very smooth at the transition. Mm. Yes, smooth as sandpaper. But if you did that with hockey, what, what, what do you think of first? If you think of dynasty, do you think of, do you think of coach? Do you think of GM? Do you think of offensive player? Do you think of, Captain, do you think of goaltender? Which way do you go? I would go coach and goalie. I don't know why. It just makes Still? sense to me. Yeah, well, that's a good question since coaches yeah. change some teams so much. Uh, I guess all of my quote-unquote dynasties would be in the past. Um, but then even when you look at teams like Detroit, they change their goalie, what, three times? Yes. So, You're going to you know, defeat your own logic here. No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking myself out talking. of this right now. 
Um, I did the same thing though, Mike, I'll be honest with you. I, the, the first thought bubble I had was, well, coaching goaltender, right? In hockey. And then you start going through them and you're like, well, hmm. Like if you, if you went back, let's go way, way back. Yep. Right. So we'll, we'll not go to the Montreal Canadiens and how great they were in the seventies. So you had all the cups that the Habs won. And you had Scotty Bowman, who was synonymous with that, right? Yep. But then was it Scotty Bowman and Ken Dryden? Or was it Scotty Bowman and Guy Lafleur? Or was it, you know, which way did, would you think of that back then? In a quarterback, head coach, Super Bowl comparison. Yeah, I mean, the hockey throws the captain thing in there where the coach and the captain seem to be joined at the I hip agree. in a lot of these situations. I agree with that one. You know, because you go to the Islanders. So who do, you, who do you think of when you think the Islanders who won fourth straight leading up to the Edmonton Oiler dynasty? Yep. So then you're like Al Arbor? Or was it the GM Tory, Or was it Trottier? Or was it Potvan? Or was it Billy Smith and goal? Or was it their, you know, the maybe the top pure goal scorer of that generation, Mike Bossy? Like what would be your combination? It's hard. I mean, it really is different with each team. And there were so many individuals. I mean, Potvan to me stands out as you know, boom, the heart of that team. But then you look at the offensive players and you look at Billy Smith and and I go to Al Arbor before I look at I the role, even role players yeah. in that. Right? Oh, Butch Tinelli, Goring, Butch Goring, uh, Clark Gillies. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not easy. It is not. E- I mean, go to the Oilers, Gretzky. Yes, Slats. But Slats yes. was the he was the GM and the coach. That's the right. most comparable one I can think of to football, where it seems like it is always the quarterback and the coach. Right. And back then, it was you know if you're looking at your best offensive weapon and the coach, I think the Oilers are the are the best comparison. Yeah, and then the identity of that team was so wrapped into what Wayne could do that yeah. you, know, you, you know you you can sit there and look at defensemen or whoever, but you're like, no, this is a team that wins six five games. Yes, but you, you, I guess you're also dribbling into the uh, captain. Coach. True. Yes. Thing too, because that's that's the same thing. Like when you think of the Penguins, and uh, you know, even even if you go back, you, you'd go to you'd go to Mario, but then they had different coaches. They'd, yep. You know, Badger Bob and and Scotty and and that, and it was the same thing with the Red Wings. It was different coaches. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe hockey is a unique sport, and we we can't draw a comparison. It might be. I think the closest thing we have, though, are captains and coaches. Yeah, I think you're right. I found this also from Super Bowl. We're going to walk through the Super Bowl here, and then we'll get to hockey. <laughs> Just because it was last night. But I'm always bringing it back to hockey, Mike. I am. You do, you do a wonderful Just, job. And you know what? The, the Super Bowl is kind of popular, so you're bringing in a new audience for the podcast. Please. I'm the Taylor Swift of the Podman Rush. <laughs> I found that walkout of the Lombardi Trophy just plain daffy. 
Did you hang around for that part of it? I, I didn't. I'm sorry. Okay. So look, they, they have the say the stage is being set up and what have you. And they have the Lombardi trophy and Zonka is the first guy walking with it. it. You know, they're trying to, I guess, find some kind of pageantry for this. And then what, what is John Elway's current role with the Denver Broncos? Is he essentially like the GM? I would think he is, but I, I'm I'm not as well versed in yeah. NFL. You know, I'm sure like, somebody's I mean, doing the real work. He might be the president <laughs> as they okay, as they well, do whatever. in the NHL a lot of these times. Maybe, but look, he he's intimately involved in all things Broncos still. Correct, I, would, I believe. Yes, he was an incredible uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback and all that. But Zonka handed the trophy to John Elway. And then he walks through, uh, you know, basically a, a choreographed little tunnel of Kansas City Chief players who are all reaching out and touching it, which was odd, too, because it seemed like something that fans would do, not the players that just won it. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself as I'm watching this, I'm like, am I the only one that finds this really odd that you've got somebody involved in the league right now as a competitor of the team that just won the Super Bowl. And here he is delivering it through this crowd of players to the stage where Jim Nance can continue on with the guys that actually want it. Like in my mind, I'm like, could you imagine Sackick or Iserman in their, you know, Joe's moved up beyond GM, right. but Iserman's the GM of the Red Wings. You imagine them walking the cup out uh, to the celebration of the Vegas Golden Knights or the Blues or whoever. Like, I mean, it would never happen. We're a different sport. I, I, I enjoyed the debate on why should the owner even be on the podium? Well, that's my net. I'm going to get to that in a second. But, uh, you know, they, they just the we Phil Pritchard, they come out. They've got white gloves on with the Stanley Cup. They put it on a table. And then the commissioner comes out, gets booed and into submission almost, powers through that, calls the captain over and hands it over. Bang. There you go. And on the on the uh, football side of things where, yeah, I mean, the, just the idea that that it's a uh, it's handed over. I, I don't I don't understand that. I, I I just don't get it. It should be the coach that gets it first, right? Well, okay. They have more to do with, I, with putting the team together nowadays. The, 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 not not a not a fan of the owner getting the trophy first and then talking first. It should be the coach and then it should be the team's leader slash quarterback, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then whatever, whatever after that. Um I'm going to reveal a, a dark side of my personality that has developed during these um, lockout player, you know, stoppages. And it's the fact that it's a symbiotic relationship. And I get, I like the fact that the hockey gives the trophy to the captain. I think that's a really good way to do things. But to simply say that the players or the coaches are more important than the owners, especially in the NFL, the, the owners are pretty darn important in, in putting this product together and making it the most watchable entertainment 
in the world. So I, I get it. I, I understand that it should go to the players, but to then diminish what the owner's role is, I, I disagree with that. I, I, I think, you know, the fact that the owners have put this wonderful league together and found ways to get it to millions of people, they deserve some sort of credit for that. Of course. I'm not diminishing it. I'm just okay. saying... Well, I, I guess I got touched on Twitter because there were people out there saying like the owners shouldn't even be out there. You know, you don't see the hockey owners out there. And no, I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't believe in that. I yeah. think I think all owners in all sports are are, uh, you know, again, use a good word. It is simpatico and, yeah. and very, extremely important and. And that, but it, it just it takes seems a village racer. It takes a village. Oh, thanks, Mike. It just seems <laughs> in the moment when you've just battled the, I mean, over yes. time and everything that went into that, that you're, you're just like, yeah, yeah, you can get to them. You, you can get to them, but it, it seems like you should be talking to your, to your coach and, and, uh, to your, essentially your captain. And yes. that, it is a, it is a hockey take on things. And also Usher, (laughs) spectacular show, but if you're going to slap skates on and you are Usher, how do you not have Justin Bieber fresh off his NHL all-star victory? How do you not have him come out with a bushel of hockey sticks, probably pick teams, right? Throw sticks. Right, Right then and there. And have a quick game on that little stage. They had, look at back in the day, I think it was like, would have been around 2010. You don't know this. I don't know why I'm asking you. I'm, I'm actually asking to the, to the listener out there right now. Okay. I believe the Beebs and Usher did a collab on somebody to love in like 2010. Interesting. So, Look, if you're going to run around on skates, how is Biebs not involved in that? I'm sure he was there. My guess is yes. I needed more than just Alicia Keys and the others that were up there. I needed my Biebs. If you're going to put skates on, you got to you got to have a game. Throw throw sticks. Play a little hockey. Little crossover. Should have done it. You know what my uh, He went no stu- tarp. Hey, look, he went no tarp in there too. He took the shirt off. That's a <laughs> hockey thing. That is, we could have seen Beeb's tattoos. It would have yes. been great. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know my no, my latest uh, music download, so you know how up I am with the current music scene. Mm-hmm. I do. You and your Bee Gees. I heard they're just on fire right now. I'm surprised they weren't the act at, at halftime. And the funny thing is, I don't like through, their late, through a I don't like the 70s stuff. I got to go back to the 60s Bee Gees. Yeah. Yeah, you are antiquated is what you are, Mike. Completely antiquated. Uh, one final note on the Super Bowl before we move on to Stars Hockey, and I'm sure everyone has probably already left the podcast. Oh, no, they're, they're tuned no, in. No, no, you know what? In some ways, you're right. They want my take on the Super Bowl. They, d- they demand it. They need it. Taylor Swift, Tay-Tay, T-Swizzle, as I know her. Mm-hmm. She is not Yoko. <laughs> that is a true statement. And those two are lovers. They're lovers, Mike. Like on Sunday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> My lover. They are lovers. 
Oh, it's I I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that whole thing. I love it when people are cheering against something like that because mm-hmm. it's just too big for their minds. And it was it was perfect. It was perfect. The only thing that would have been more perfecter, which is not a word, is if Mahomes had thrown it to Kelsey for the winner in overtime, which he tried. Yes. Just too much traffic there for Travis. And then there they are, a uh, public show of affection on the field. Kelsey and T-Swizz. Beautiful. Uh, that was beautiful. There you go. Kelsey's brother was out there like Usher with the shirt off and the Oh, did, was he no celebration? Tarp? I think he No did. tarp again? Yeah. Wow. He's got to shirt it up a little. <laughs> anyway, Stars Hockey. Out of yeah. the break. Off the road. There we were. You know, covering everything. And all of a sudden you you peek up and coming out of the all-star break, and you're like, hey, this is starting to look like a little run here we got going on. You know, it started obviously before the break, but a lot of road, a lot of success, a lot of points getting stacked up. And all of a sudden that top spot in the central division starting to feel like like home like you know when you when you you sort of sink into it and you start rubbing your arms on the on the armrests and that and it's like yeah yeah this is this is nice on my lower lumbar that that's what i'm seeing with these stars right now as they prepare for the carolina hurricanes tomorrow night you yeah yeah it feels right the other great part of all this is and i know they hate when we say this but they haven't played their best hockey no, yet. i know you we're sitting there and we're, we're just we're doing with pete and he's going like yeah yeah every game has problems and we're just going problem after problem hey power play wasn't that good last game <laughs> and they they find ways to win they find ways to get to the top of the central division and they can still get better and i think that that's an amazing sign and that's exactly where you want to be because you know, there is still time to trend up to be even better as you roll into the playoffs. And and I think they're in a good place right now. Yeah, build toward the playoffs is, I, I believe. That's probably better the, than the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, though, with the idea that it's like, yeah, win again, yes. But the, the, the convincing, throttling victory has not been – a consistent part of things. And maybe we're asking for too much, but there've been a lot of these games against the, the sort of bottom feeders of the overall standings. And, you know, in your mind, you're just like, okay, well they, they should pop one of these teams pretty good. Right. And then they're needing to clutch onto the couch just to get the two points or get all the way through it. But Maybe that is the the game right now where it is not easy no matter who you're playing, but maybe we shouldn't parse things as deeply as we do. And I'll say this also, winning without special teams is a good thing. Yes. Like, really, it is. Playoffs don't afford you the power plays. Look, at this team doesn't get a lot of power plays in the regular season. Right. Uh, but usually, come playoff time, it's really difficult. Teams are locked in with their discipline. And if you can win consistently, I would say these two things. If you can win consistently without your A game on the ice and without relying heavily, I mean heavily, 
on scoring a power play goal or two and and completely stymieing the other team's power play and that's how you win all the time i don't know about that i mean it's sort of like the oilers last year right like they annihilated who la on the power play but right the idea that you're going to trot through four rounds just living on your power play scoring for you is not going to work out very well for you so Vegas, I thought last year was a great example of that. By by year's end in the regular season, it, they were good, but not great on both power play and penalty kill. But most of the game is being played five against five in this sport. And really what you need is you need to be a team that can go hammer down for long stretches of that part of the game and then get your timely power play goals. Razor belief. That's a razor belief right there. It's a, it's a smart belief. Uh, Pete said today, and so I haven't checked this step, and I'm going to trust the head coach uh, that the uh, uh, Duchesne Sagan Marchment line uh, was the best five on five, most effective five on five line in the league, and that's a, a you know that's a great thing to be. You know, when when you're carrying that through and you're doing it on a consistent basis, uh, it, it really do, it helps you rack up points, and that's where the stars are right now. He also added, uh, added that that trio could be better <laughs> defensively. <laughs> they don't work as hard at defense uh, as they do at offense. I think oftentimes <laughs> when when I'm quizzing him about defensive play and this and that, uh, I always think that as he's pointing some things out, he's essentially just speaking to the Duchesne line yes. about things. but. And, and and not just in a negative way, sometimes in a positive way, too, because you your defense starts in the other team's zone with you having the puck a lot of times. Correct. And decisions that you're making with the puck and what kind of peril you're putting yourself, your line mates, your team in with those decisions with the puck. I mean, you never you never really want to pull back the reins on uh, an individual or a line that is as special as, as that group has been this year offensively, because you need goals uh, to score. And, you know, there's the old adage that your best defense is a, is an offense that can slaughter the other side. Uh, But there are times, I think it's more probably game awareness and times when you should be and, and shouldn't be just sort of reading the game. Because I, I believe those three guys get so fixated on trying to make things happen offensively that they have to get reminded every now and then, oh, yeah, right, when we don't have the puck and it's going the other way, we should probably all shouldn't be touching the end boards at the other end of the rink. But it happens from time to time. Well, I, I, love think, I love well, them. I love, I love watching them too, that I think line. with I Matt especially, overtime – is just such a magnifying glass on on that a- aspect for him because he's trying to score that goal and he's done it a couple of times, but we've also seen it mm-hmm. just go the other way for a three on O or whatever it is mm-hmm. that they give up. Speaking of overtime in him, Thomas Harley, impressive breakout. Uh, and in some ways I'm, I'm wondering if perhaps we're seeing the same things that went on with like Shay Theodore under Pete in Vegas when he was there. Just the the emergence, the next step, the another level, a different gear, all those things. It's interesting that he's been more aggressive in the red zone 
than Miro Haskinen has. Both of them with just incredible world-class ability with the puck offensively, really like having a, a fourth forward on a line. And uh, I actually talked with Miro today a little bit about it. And he said that their first thing he mentioned with Thomas Harley is moving well, moving great. And he is moving great. I think, I think it's for a big guy that, that can get around the rink and so smart about protecting the puck and then getting it out of the defensive zone and getting it on offense and then reading when to jump into a hole and where to jump into the hole. And once you get there, being able to beat a goaltender, every goal feels wristy-ish with him. No big slappers for the most part, just, just a very accurate wrist shot. So um, I'm enjoying every single shift of the Thomas Harley experience right now with these stars and especially paired up with Miro Haskinen. I talked to him today and and just about last year and he just he's funny because he I don't think he liked I don't think any of these players like to analyze themselves uh, but he said at, at the playoffs last year that he, he thought it was good that he stayed down there for the whole 60 games and didn't come up and go back down and you look at that base um, and it's amazing it's it's impressive that he can be that much better on defense. And even Pete says, you know, he said when he came in training camp, he didn't think that much of Thomas Harley last year. So uh, he's come a long way in two years. Mm. Really has. I, I just like his demeanor too. He's, he's a very even keel cat, you know, not a lot of emotion out of Thomas. Harley. No. He just playing with, he and Sam Steele, the two, they're, they're like a couple of vampires or something out there, right? There's, <laughs> they're just, you know, doing good things, lots of good things, stacking up with, with them. For him, especially at, at his age and the pressure that's on the defenseman, like we can sit there and say, oh, Wyatt's done a great job or, or Jason Robertson, but like it's hard to be a defenseman in the NHL. You make one mistake, and we've seen it with three or four young guys here, it really hurts your confidence. Uh, and he's really battled through that and, like you said, just played um, like the walking dead. I think he's, he's just mm -hmm. like that. What I appreciate in him is that he, he doesn't try, try to do too much. The, I think maybe the biggest lesson that he keeps tucked under an arm is that you don't, you don't have to try to make something happen all the time. I remember his first training camps and that, and it was just like, Whoa, cause you'd watch him and, you could see all the things that he could do, but you don't need to go end to end. You don't need to toe drag and beat the last guy. Sometimes the first option is the best option, you know, just pass it off into the flank and here we go. We're yeah. going up ice in that. And, and then there are other times where it's like, yeah, you need to hit the gas and jump into that hole and be a part of things offensively. And you're right. Like the commonality uh, in past of, a lot of young, talented defensemen was that they're going to need, I don't know, 150 to 250 as far as games played in the NHL before they truly kind of, quote unquote, get it. You know, experience, good and bad going on in order to see what you can and can't do and all that. And, and I'm not saying he skipped a step, but maybe that carrying a bag in the minors for a little bit has helped him shorten that step a little bit to the NHL and, and being able to be a, you know, a 20, 21 minute 
guy that can impact the game and in a lot of different areas. I mean, he kills penalties now too. Yeah. You know, eating that the, the last part of the equation for him is likely going to be more, uh, uh, more power play time, but, but not just eating up minutes up there and sort of deferring to the other four guys that are out there, but actually truly, you know, being a, a fulcrum and, and taking control of it. So it's like, referred to as the Thomas Harley power play. You know, if you're, you know what I mean? No, I agree with you. Yeah. You got to be the quarter. You got to be the guy. And, and it's important. Um, I just, I, I, I look back at, you don't want to say they hurt them or ruin them or whatever, but just the pressure of when it was Alexiak and Johns and Patrick Nemeth, and they'd make one mistake and they'd come out for the next game. And, uh, Thomas had to fight through that. And I, I look back, I do think the two months in Edmonton in the bubble probably helped him a lot too, uh, just to get his, his, I always tell my kids, you have to learn how to learn. That's part of going to college or going to school is you have to learn the process of learning so you can use that at your job. I think he, he used that two months of just film time and hanging around the veterans to learn how to learn. Hmm. Sharp comment by you, Mike. <laughs> See how lucky my kids are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't sit next to you on the plane all the time. No, they like don't. other people. The other guy I wanted to touch on is Mason Marchman. Cause he, he, he does have to, I, I love that Pete DeBoer tosses, has to toss him in a lot of times mm -hmm. when the media are asking about the Duchesne. Like it's like Duchesne and, and Tyler Sagan and, and Sagan and Duchesne. And you're like, yeah, there's a third guy too. Who's been a staple there and a very effective, he's an effective rapscallion. <laughs> That's the way he goes about the game. Tyler Sagan called him the best F1 in the league on our air after the game in Montreal, he was instrumental in, in his two goals. F1 is the first four checker. They, they number them, right? So you have F1, F2, F3, but your, your F1 is the puck hunter. He, he's, he's the guy who's expected to go in there, be physical, but physical smart. The idea is that, that you can get the puck stopped or you can gum things up so that your F2 can read off of that. All, all it is is forechecking is you're, you're trying to get the puck back. Um, right. And and he's been so good for that line along the boards and that he's been productive. Look, I watch him sometimes and, and you're like, he's nowhere near the used car lot balloon uh, guy this year that he was in his first year with the Stars where he was out of control. I, I still get a kick out of... He's got to be the the leader amongst players, maybe in the league of indignation when feeling that he was wronged on the ice. Like, like he goes ballistic and, and then he seems to be able to reset himself a little bit. Uh, but he's in the battle on a nightly basis yeah. and he's really good in the battle, but he's also extremely good out in space in, in making plays, finding others. He doesn't, he doesn't finish off as many, you know, pure grade, a high danger scoring chances as he creates or is afforded in that. But it's difficult for any winger to put in the work on the boards, but also be in scoring position a right. lot. And yeah. yet he seems to have a pretty good combination of that. 
It's funny, Duchesne said earlier in the year he thought he had one of the best sticks in the league that that Marchment did. And, you know, it, it when you when your line mates have that much respect for you and take mm. the opportunity to say, hey, look at this guy over here because you're not seeing everything that we're seeing. Uh, that's impressive. And then the other thing is he's such a high event player. I think he's hands down the he has drawn the most penalties and he has taken the most penalties on the team. And, you know, it's just. Things happen when he's around to play. Some are good, some are bad, but he makes things happen. He stirs a drink. Yeah, he's he's a rep- replay producer is what he is. Yeah. You know, if you just stuck a camera on him, you'd run it back and you'd be like, yeah, hockey, watch this. This is go. hockey. In there, falling down, ramming somebody, a <laughs> little bit cheap from time Barking to time. At the <laughs> uh, hammering at the refs in the face of the opposition. But then at the same time making plays and that a little bit of what Corey Perry has done in his career. He's yeah. not at that level. Like he's offensively, like he's not, he's not at that level, but some of the same stuff uh, and, and just, you know, pisses off the opposition a yeah. lot, a lot. And, and for, it's for a team that, that I think is last in the league. Yes. And hits, you, you, I mean, you, that, this team needs that guy. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, you know, I mean, if you took him and Yanni out of the lineup, would they even finish where they hit at the end of the game? <laughs> what was it? Was the Montreal game or the Toronto game? They had five or something after two <laughs> periods, like, like five to 25. Or yeah. Something. It's just, uh, well, yeah, they're going to, they're going to play Carolina here twice in the next week or so. And Carolina is the, the leader in the NHL in giving up the puck to get it back again. Yeah, and there's so there's going to be some contact just with the way that they play uh, a little bit more in that. But it is look if you have the puck a lot, and the Stars have been a better team at having the puck. Uh, you don't hit people when you have the puck, duh. And when they when they do go after the puck, for the most part, they're they're not going in to make a big noise and bang and uh, rack up their hit totals, which apparently they had a. They had to go back through everything the other day. The NHL the did. NHL they had a, <laughs> like what? I are was they excited. Doing? I was excited because I thought, okay, well, the Stars won't be last anymore. And they Where went were from they? fourteen a game to sixteen a game, and they were still last. Oh, well, <laughs> it just go. made me laugh. I'm going to. Oh, look, hey, we're going to add some hits here. <laughs> wow. But they added them to everybody. Do they just think like since it's tax season, we should do something kind of taxi and? pour over some stuff. Well, we, you and I discussed the shots on goal and how it changes on the scoreboard clock. And I'm getting back into that. I know. Good time. You know what I do want to talk about? Codes. The codes. Okay. Cause this has come up. Obviously it happened in the battle of Ontario. Hmm. And uh, Morgan Riley, I haven't looked, I'm not up to date, but he's getting suspended. Yes. And uh, Ridley Gregg is the guy that created this big brouhaha. God, we need more Ridley Greggs in the NHL. (laughs) We really do. We do. For entertainment purposes. Yes, just for emotion, passion, you know, because it it can be it can be such a fast. You always hear it all the time. It's the fastest it's ever been. Yes, it's fast, of course. 
but you also need some friction. And if you haven't seen it, peeps, go find it. Uh, Ridley Gregg, I played with his dad, Mark Gregg, who I think still scouts for Philadelphia. His dad was just uh, pure skill for the most part. Like he was skilled center iceman in that. Ridley Gregg is, uh, he's not Pat Verbeek, but he, he brings sandpaper to the table and plays hard every shift. So he took a slap shot into an empty net for an empty net goal. He's cruising down and takes a slapper. He didn't have to take a slap shot, but he takes a slapper. And the Toronto Maple Leafs went, went nuts. And in particular, Morgan Riley, who went over and tried to decapitate him <laughs> along the boards. And immediately I'm, and I'm watching the, the hooey and diatribes that are going on on social media off of this. And man, it was very uh, tribal. Yes. <laughs> like you were either, you were either in this camp or you are in uh, Morgan Riley's camp or you were in Greg's camp, one or the other. And I, I immediately, I wanted to chime in, but I like, no, I'm screw this. I'm not getting involved. But I was like, would people prefer the Patrick Steffen approach to the empty net goal? <laughs> and I'm just like, what's the harm? Hurt feelings? And I, I said to you earlier today, like if a guy windmill dunks in a blowout in the NBA, does a guy go over and try to decapitate him or break his jaw because he did that? Like we're a confusing sport sometimes. It is, and and I I have trouble with if you put a good hit on a good player, then why do you have to go fight? Oh my uh, because God! Yes, a legal good hit. Um, yes, but I mean it's there's there's machismo in this game, Daryl, and you're uh, challenging them. So then this is their best way to to answer that challenge. I mean it's I go back to the Rangers and the Blue Jays, and you don't throw a bat because oh no, now we're going to have to fight about this for the next year and a half. Um, you know, it, it, I don't, it, I, I, I don't, I don't get any of that. I don't, I yeah. don't understand any of it. I like the game is over, whether he nudges it into the net or backhands it into the net or plops it into the net or takes a slapper into the net. Yeah. What does it matter? College football. I'm sorry if you're losing 70 to nothing, but my four string quarterback wants to score, you know, but oh no, you now your four string quarterback scored. Now we got yeah. a war on our hands. It's crazy. It is. It's crazy. The bat flip thing, I I never understood. Kind of, I w- I was just like, in 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 our world now, in our world now, not supposed where, to celebrate. No, just just act like you've been there before. Yeah, it, that's that's not what I mean. My God, they they have choreographed uh, community theater skits when they score touchdowns in the NFL right. now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and for a while they were like, well, you can't do that. But then you can get a penalty for taunting. And it's like, Correct. well, so which one is taunting? So like, like if Ridley Gregg had, had just nudged it into the net and then all of his teammates come over and then they did a road the boat thing or, or they all dropped down and they were all taking pictures and he was posing there, would that have been okay? I liked yours where he rides a stick back to yeah. the, to the <laughs> bench. They go Tagger Williams and he, so he, he just puts it into the net and then he, turns up the boards and then as he's going past the leaf bench he rides his stick past there and then and then glove bumps his own line like it just <laughs> we're looking for moments man yeah we're looking for moments 
Now, I think I think one guy summed it up best when I love the fact he slapped it in the net. And I love the fact there was an answer to that <laughs> slap into the net because that's entertainment. We get yeah, it on both sides. Yeah, I, I would have been OK if he went over and just like blew him up with a hit. Right. I would have been or like, okay. but he goes over and he just throws a cross check at his head. And you're like, really? Really? And uh, he's going to get suspended, I don't know, five or more games out of that. I mean, do the Leafs feel better about themselves that they did no, that? No, because they, they're losing they a pretty good play. They won't have there. Morgan Riley for yeah. half a dozen games. You know what I mean? Now, like in baseball, if a guy throws at somebody's head and then there's a response and then those guys get kicked up, I get all that stuff. Right. I get. I do get that. I do get that one. Uh, but, but this thing just seemed over the top. Like, I had no pr- – I, I, Look, if you're at a point in the game where your goaltender's on the bench and they get all the way through it, if if he wants to pirouette and you know Michigan it into the, I don't care what he does in putting it in. Like that would be funny. I would like to like, see it go behind the net, Michigan yeah. in an empty net. <laughs> Who was it? Remember the plays? Was it? I think it was that Evans. It was Shifley. Remember that one? The empty net goal in the playoffs. I don't. It goes down there. Shifley goes literally full tilt end to end. And as there, as uh, Evans of Montreal was going to wrap it in, I mean, he just annihilated, like blew him up, <laughs> like a bowel shaker and, uh, and got, I think he got, what did he get? Five games or something for that on again, empty net. We have more issues with empty nets <laughs> in our league <laughs> than anything else. But uh, that apparently that's one of the codes that one, you can't hit anybody hard anymore. You have to fight after you do that. I don't know. I don't know. Like if I'm going to go find some clouds to yell at here, Mike. <laughs> well, you know how goalies are. They always want to be protected. They want the rules to be different for them. Okay. Okay. Mike, <laughs> it, it used to be, it, it used to be that if there was an offside and then the guy continued on and took a slapper at mm-hmm. the goaltender who had already eased up a little bit immediate fight yes i can i i got that one because it, it actually was dangerous like it was dangerous you shot the yeah. puck at a guy he might have just been like okay well the play's over and all of a sudden he takes it in uh the outside of the knee or in the neck or in the collarbone or something like that that is dangerous but taking a slapper from you know seven feet away into an empty net i don't know i i didn't i didn't get that one i'm not it seemed, on board it seemed fun to me yeah, it did seem fun. I ho- I hope somebody does it again. I, I hope it turns into a trend. <laughs> when you go down and just take a big slapper, and then uh, we, and then we can talk Thomas Harley into doing this game. And then I would prefer <laughs> Thomas would be the last guy on earth that would do that. And then I know. on top of it, I want the guy to go right down the middle of the rink, riding his stick <laughs> and and moving his arm like he's whipping. He's he's using a riding crop. Do that. See how that ends up. Well, the lads who are coming in here, they uh, know something about celebrating, don't they? Oh, my God. No, I'm not getting into that. Does that not tick people off? That's their thing. I guess it's it's after the game's over. Well, do you see the the goal in Detroit? Penalty shot in overtime. And uh, who is it? Volman, the the defenseman for Detroit, scores. And then he does the gritty. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Did the grid you, again? You're celebrating. I, I've got no want. issue, Mike. I have no issue with this. I wish they would do more of it. Yes. Remember when? Remember when Ovi had the hot stick? His stick was so hot he threw it on the ground and he was like warming his hands on it. 
How about everyone, Tamu in the shoes? Yes, iconic. Iconic scores, throws his glove up like he's duck hunting or the shoot and ski. Glimps. Goes bang, bang, bang. Why? We need that. I agree. Instead, it's, you know, you score and then you, you, you look, everyone comes in for a little group hug and then you all take off and then you go by your own bench and you bump gloves and then, that, then you go out to center. Like a little, little individual sass. And creativity. Yeah, the, the Hurricanes with their with their group theater, that, that's their thing, I guess. I don't know. I'll it's just, all about fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corny, there's a fine line between corny and creative, though, Mike. I think it depends on what jersey you're wearing, Daryl. <laughs> it is true. a tribal league. True, true, true. I wanted to talk about other things too, but I, I don't think we have time. We have to get out of here. Is there a time limit on this? I think the fans want more. They want their money. <laughs> okay. okay. What do you have? What's, the Heike, what's Heike's newsbreaker? I got nothing. For this week. Um, no, you, I will what? say this. I, I've been very intrigued by the uh, Matt Duchesne uh, uh, tutorials during the games. And I think it's mostly him. I mean, I, you got to give credit to the whole line. Uh, but Pete today said he never shuts up. Always got <laughs> verbal diarrhea on the bench. Yes. And, but again, I think it's a great thing. And I think we're learning more and more just what an impact this guy has had on the team. Because one, he's made both those players better. And, you know, again, they take, you know, they've made themselves better, obviously, but I think he's been the catalyst. And then two, you know, if other lines are watching what they're doing, they're going to, well, hey, maybe we should start looking at the iPads and scouting tendencies before a game and seeing ways that we can score goals. Uh, so that was the thing that came out of today is just I, I kind of knew a little bit about it. But boy, when you ask people, they're like, oh, my gosh, that's all he does is he, you know, he talks and talks and talks and wants to do this and look at that. And let's see the videotape on this. And uh, I mean, it's been a great thing for that line. I think it's going to be a great thing for this team. I'm I'm anxious to see what happens in the playoffs when we get into situations where those types of things can really matter in a seven game series. Can you imagine what eight-year-old Matt Duchesne was like all hopped <laughs> up on sugar? Have you ever seen the, the Peyton Manning little thing where he no. was up in his, so apparently his dad or he, he recorded games from uh, Ole Miss and they were played on the radio and he would go up in his room play the entire game and be the quarterback the entire game in his room <laughs> while he's throwing footballs into the pillow on his bed. And you're just like some guys, they just have a different mindset on these things. Hey, I did the entire opening to hockey night in Canada in my living room. Mm -hmm. Like I made every save that, that was shown on there uh, all the way through it. And then I stood for the national anthem. There you go. Every game, every Saturday. Visualization works every Saturday. Yeah, I'm. You, you're in love with the Duchesne train, aren't you? Admit it. <laughs> I I just think it's. I didn't know it was that uh, intensive. Like Tyler was saying after the game, oh yeah, well we're looking at tendencies at work against uh, uh, Montreal, and uh, we saw a few things, and you're just like, wow. I mean, that's great. That's what you should be doing. I mean, that, you know, help the coaches <laughs> out. Go do it yourself. Did they skip over the Toronto game? Uh, yeah, well, they kind of missed that one. It's a back-to-back. -back. They didn't have the time. Come on. Yeah. yeah. 
And then Robo just goes singular. He just grabs yeah. the iPad and plays in his own world. He's like, let me see what I did. You guys didn't do. And then let's go back at it again. I, I do there, believe there in that. There is some like, truth to that. I, I do. No, no. But I, I do believe that that kind of between shift communication between <laughs> individuals is important. Communication in general is important. Like, yes. Like think of, think of the game, like a dump in the goaltender has to communicate with his defense. His defense has to communicate with him. Forwards have to communicate with the defenseman. Hey, you know, they talk, talk in the defensive zone. They're going to break out of there. Understand where you're going to be in the offensive zone. Again, talk, Cycle, I'm behind you. Hey, you know, whatever it is, it's real quick. It's staccato. It's, you know, shorthand and all that. Then you get back to the bench, a little word about this, that, the other. If you just go back there and you're in your own world all the time, uh, you, you know, the fine line, I probably think between too much of that, where it's like, would you shut up so that I can concentrate <laughs> on what I'm trying to do here? We don't need to talk all the time. And guys that never talk, they're just like, you know, mutes and, uh, and well, yeah. Bark twice if you're in new Orleans. And, uh, I think, I think those things are, are important. And, and obviously he's, he's had a major, major impact on the team on, uh, on that line. And, uh, it's going to be very interesting going forward to see how long Matt Duchesne is a Dallas star. That, that is a really good question. That's, yeah. Boy, I ended on that one because you can talk about that for a couple hours. We could. Instead, I'll leave uh, with with this, Mike. They're going to play some very good teams here in the next little while. I'm, I'm confuzzled as to what it actually means that they, they do consistently dummy the dregs of the NHL. Mm-hmm. I like it. It, yep. it, it pads the bank account. You know, their record against the bottom 10 teams in the league, their only loss was the home loss against Montreal. That's it. Not all the games have been pretty in that, but against those bottom 10 teams, and they haven't played them all yet. Right. Uh, they 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 win consistently. And now they're going to go through this little gauntlet of playing a lot of very good teams, the, the upper end in that. And I've many times quoted the art of war i'll do it again because that really is i I believe here going forward final 30 games invincibility lies in the defense the possibility of victory in the attack invincibility is what we're looking for they have oodles of possibility yes we've seen that and they've got lots of victories yes they have they're looking they're chasing invincibility, Mike. That's what they're chasing. I'll give you two words. Taylor Swift. Close nope. to Taylor Swift. Jake Ottinger. I think his performance in the second half is he's already off to a pretty good start. And I mean, if he can get to quote unquote Jake Ottinger numbers, uh, I think their performance against those teams is going to be um, much better. A lot of him. But not all him. No, can't he's all. Got, he's got to have some help, too. They, Although they do say the, the goaltender is the most important player on the power play, right? Isn't that what it was the other night? <laughs> See, now you're, you're being cheeky. <laughs> now I'm taking. You're being cheeky. <laughs> taking cheap shots. You know, we're, we're like 
the coach quarterback combination. <laughs> yes, we are. You and I on podcasts. You're are you the coach or the quarterback? You're the I quarterback. You played. Yeah, I you do. played. Oh, You're such a great player back in the day. <laughs> we'll see whether they're gonna turn into a dynasty or not. Oh, come on. We've been doing this for what, 30 years? Yeah, we are, uh, we are a dynasty. <laughs> three years counts as a dynasty nowadays. <laughs> All right, Mike. Such a joy to talk to you again. I haven't seen you in ages. Uh, and oh, mom's trip. Ooh, this week's the mom's trip. I like that. Hockey, there's the the two greatest things in hockey are are coaches' wives. There's there's no people that support their men. I wouldn't think more than than coaches' wives, especially the way that profession is going. There were thirteen yeah. thirteen teams have a new head coach from the end of last season. There are 32 teams in the National Hockey League. I know, it's ridiculous. So you better have some support there, and they do. They're, they're, they're incredible, incredible women and a huge part of, of uh, NHL coaching. Uh, and look, the, the WAGs as well, right? Yep. Always WAGs. Uh, and we certainly learned that from the Kansas City Chiefs in the <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> Uh, but man, hockey mums, hockey mums are something else. They can be pit bulls. They can be pit bulls. And they are so territorial with their boys. Hockey mums are the best. They yeah. really are. And they're going to take them to Nashville with them. So that's pretty awesome. And the have boys a, better have back a bachelorette party while they're there. <laughs> <laughs> well, mums. A mums party. A mums party. Like a yeah. bachelorette party. Yeah. Yeah, they'll go on that. What are those uh, drinking bikes? The, uh, the <laughs> what are those we things? Pedal, yeah. What are the names? Pedal bars? Is that what they uh, call them? Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, be fun to have them on the on the trip. I love the the trips with dads and and mentors and 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 moms. It's a good one. You learn a lot about the players. I mean, you really see where it comes from. <laughs> okay. I mean, you do like with the dads. <laughs> Like you, you watch the body language. You, you watch really the, see where it comes from. And the, with the hockey moms. Thanks, Mike. Eights that have been parent to child. Uh, your mic's cutting out, which is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you can mother me on the way to Nashville. How's that? I'll do that. All right. People, thank you out there. And uh, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Super Bowl champions of Super Bowl. What, Mike? Uh, that would be 58, Daryl. boy. And thank you, Marty Perko, for, for all that beer and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Are we supposed Thanks to promote the, him? Thanks for the suds. <laughs> yep. See you. You've been on the Podman Rush with Razor Ray and Mike Ica, presented by Kingsville Brewery, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things Texas hockey, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. Place your bets at the 24th annual Dallas Stars Casino Night, presented by Dex Imaging. Eat, meet, and play with your favorite Dallas Stars players and coaches on March 3rd at Comerica Center in Frisco from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., with all proceeds benefiting the Dallas Stars Foundation. To purchase tickets or for more information, visit DallasStars.com slash casino night.